and welcome to Challenges That Change Us, the podcast where we talk to our guests about how their challenges have impacted them today and how they overcame them. Whether you are someone that feels like you are thriving right now, trudging through the mud or somewhere in between, this podcast is designed to give you practical advice, profound insight into your own experience and inspire you to embrace your life. My name is Ali Flynn, the co-founder and CEO of Tri Altitude Performance, and I will be your host. It's time to buckle up your seatbelts and let's get this ball rolling. Hey guys, I'm pumped to be bringing you the high performance mini series podcast. I know lots of you had asked for some shorter bite-sized pieces. So here it is. We'll do about six weeks just to give it a trial to see if this is something that you're looking for, something that you enjoy. I actually joined forces for this one with Pearl Lim, Wayne Rubin and myself as the hosts and we will be interviewing people in the high performance space around what high performance means to them and some of the gold nuggets that they've taken away. So they're short, bite-sized pieces. I'm really keen to get your feedback. If you love this, it's something we can continue and I have another little series coming up for you guys after this one. And because we've recorded with multiple people, the recording is done in a different way and it may sound a little bit different to what you're used to on challenges that change us. So be open to the change and I'm super excited to hear what your thoughts are. DM me on any of the social platforms or shoot me an email if this is the kind of thing that you're looking for that we can be downloading as our second episode per week. Hello everyone and welcome to Beyond the Summit, the podcast where we explore the secrets of exceptional high performance. My name is Pearl Lim and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, my guest is the wonderful and inspiring Ali Flynn, who is the director and founder of Tri Altitude Performance and has 20 years of experience in being a therapist, facilitator, and performance coach. And I'm sure she has a lot to share with us today. Welcome, Ali. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Pearl. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We are all about talking about high performance here. So we would really want to hear from you. Uh, what's been your personal experience with the pursuit of high performance like? It's interesting when I think back through where perhaps it started from. And I, I don't know that I can pinpoint a moment of time. What I can say is that ever since I was a tiny little girl, I've been interested in human behavior, interested in what makes people tick why perhaps two people might experience the same thing and walk away from it and integrate that event or that experience into the world completely differently. And and as I grew up through the teenage years and, and into high school, I just found that that curiosity just kept expanding and expanding and I started to research, started to learn more, started to ask a lot more questions. And, you know, it's not surprising that I went in to do an undergrad in psychology um, where, again, it just deepened that curiosity and deepened that interest in, you know, who are we in this world and and what can we truly start to explore, unpack, learn more about to allow us to excel and succeed in the space that we want to, whether that be as an elite athlete, as a CEO, as a mum and dad, as a best friend, whatever space that's in, what is it that helps us kind of navigate those waters and drive forwards? It sounds like your innate curiosity actually has redefined high performance for you. 
I don't know if I, I would class myself as a high performer. Some other people <laughs> might say differently, maybe perhaps in the adversity and resilience space. I think there's a real essence of high performance in that space. But I definitely really enjoy being around other people that invest time mm. and energy and resource into being a high performer. Like I do a lot of work with athletes and CEOs and I just love being in that space. I love mm. watching how other people work. I love asking them questions about what they do differently and where that came from and how that's layered into their world. And when did the pursuit of high performance, at which moment became life-defining for you? Probably when I was lying in ICU in a neuro ward, um, fighting for, at the time I felt like I was fighting for my life and um, wow. I witnessed someone else um, pass away at that time and I remember being, it was at midnight and I was watching the nurses and doctors resuscitate someone in the bed next to me and I thought, what am I still doing here? Like how come I'm still in this hospital bed and how am I going to get up and out of it? I'd, I'd had a stroke. I was 32. I'd lost my short-term memory, my ability to read and write. I'd lost vision in both eyes um, in the top quadrants. And and I'd been there for quite a few weeks. And it was in that moment that I started to realize that I was like, wow, only I'm going to get myself up and out of here. And I need to be really, really determined and focused and have clarity and know my why. And so it was in that moment at midnight <laughs> that mm. I was lying in the bed and it just kind of hit me. And, you know, and I started to think like if I've, if the average person only lives to be, say, 84, the average woman in Australia, I started doing the mathematics and I was like, that means I only have 14,596 days left and how do I want to spend those? And I definitely don't want to be in a hospital bed. So from that moment on, and that was almost 10 years ago, there's been this real pursuit for excellence in my life. And when I say excellence, it's not necessarily in one area. It's how do I live the fullest life and have the full human experience, however that looks, in whatever shade of color that comes, in whatever season it comes, how do I fully embrace that and and move forwards with that in, in the best possible way? Wow, what a powerful story, Ali. And I can only imagine the emotional journey that you went through, you know, you spoke about that night. And I'm sure thereafter as well, there were many moments probably that spurring you towards living life to your fullest. And that, you know, is also the definition of high performance because we want to be fully present, fully embracing of everything there is in life. I think that, you know, from, from what you said, it, there might be challenges as well, right? There's many of us who want to do that, are not able to, what do you think are the things that's holding us back? It's different for everyone. And so the first place that I encourage people to start to look into is themselves, you know, like that is one thing we have full control over is understanding who we are and what makes us tick. So, you know, often when I'm starting to work with people in the high performance space, they've, they've collected along the way lots of technical skills maybe lots of soft skills in the space of how to communicate with others, how to lead a team, how to have big vision, the strategy, but perhaps they haven't necessarily spent the same amount of time looking inwards. You know, what is happening within my mind and what tools and strategies do I have to kind of excel in that space? You know, even when we think about the nervous system, there's so much research coming out in this space now. Like, yes, we can train the body. Yes, we can train the mind, but we also need to train the nervous system to be able to come back to base. And so when I think about it, I think about how do we understand ourselves more that in a chat that goes on, you know, it's we 
Everyone has an inner critic and it's there to serve and protect us. But at times it can be what feels like it pulls us under or when we're in a moment that we need to have peak performance, it can be that one thing that kind of holds us back and puts us in that fight, flight, freeze response. So what do we do when we notice that? And how can we start to understand it better to be able to, I guess, be in the driver's seat of our life? identify that we're either in the passenger seat or the boot for starters and then how do we wiggle our way back into the front into the driver's seat and and when is that helpful and when is it not because you know to really um, achieve and succeed in life we need to have this for example inner critic that helps protect us and hold us back but they need to be able to work together Mm. so it's how do we understand it and how do we move forwards with that so that's definitely something I think around that that inner work and for a lot of high performers in my experience when I've worked with them there's been there's been a trauma background and I'm not saying that is everyone in that space absolutely not but but you know it's hard to go through life and not have some sort of trauma knocking on your door or some severe adversity come come knocking and so again it's like how has that impacted and influenced the way we are today and the way that we show up for ourselves or we show up in the discipline that we're trying to show up in so if you're an athlete like how does that how does that serve you and push you forwards and propel you to be at your best when you need to be you know training for four years to have a hundred meter sprint like what what impacts and influences you to get there you know when I'm working with high performers they might come in to discuss a phobia or they might come in to discuss relationships and some challenges they're having in relationships or it might be about that one percent that we were talking about how do I get peak performance and how do I just find those extra little centimeters or one percenters along the way that's going to make me excel that little bit further Mm-hmm. And and part of that unpacking is our emotional signature. So, you know, a question I often ask people is how do we fight? How do we show up in conflict? It's a mm-hmm. very interesting question. Do we attack? Do we yeah. retreat? Do we attack and then retreat? You know, and yeah. how does that impact performance when we're we're in that space and we're being reactive? So how do we turn those kind of yeah. reactions into positive actions? Well, that's a really interesting example, Ellie. How you show up in conflict. It's a great question because a lot of times when we think about, you know, wanting to do more, being better, we always assume that the path is linear, right? The more we do, the more discipline and rigor we inject in our training routine and the things we do, we will get to that point. What you're saying is a very different way of looking at it. How do you show up when things are not going well? So in terms of conflict, it could be conflict with others, it could be conflict with self, is that what you're referring to in the conflict space? Yeah, I had a really, um, really great coach one day say to me, you know, Oz, it's not about how you show up when you win. <laughs> it's like, how do we show up when we're losing? Because two teams take the field and one wins, one loses, you know, if you're talking about netball or football or tennis. So it's, you know, how do we show up in that face of adversity? It's the same as we learn more about ourselves when we're up against someone that we dislike or someone that challenges our core beliefs or our value set. And that will happen. And the more we're stepping into the space of vulnerability and challenge and high performance, the more we'll find these little moments along the way that feel like it's, you know, either slap in the face or we find ourselves really emotive towards it or reactive towards it. And and what do we do with that? Because for some of us, that drives us forwards and for others that holds us back. But either way, the other person on the end of that relationship may not be experiencing us at our best. Yeah, yeah, totally. So in this space where we stare down high performance in conflict, show up when we are losing, 
what is that one element that you believe to be fundamental to our ability to achieve sustained high performance? Going along the lines of what we've been talking about, about understanding ourselves, I think definitely two things come to mind. One is understanding that inner dialogue that happens inside your head. When we understand it, then the second thing is what tools and strategies and practices and habits do we have in place and are we disciplined around those? You know, often as a high performer, we're very disciplined physically. We get up at a certain time, we have a certain routine, there might be some training in there, there might be some meditating, you know, and then we get to work and there's a really systemized approach to how we run the day. But do we have that similar systemized approach for what happens between our two ears in our mindset? So have we practiced and practiced and practiced for that moment that we need it and we can just call on and it's there when we're ready? You know, when you think about if you have a big meeting or you have a big event or you have a big game day, that's where we, you know, often talk about visualization. Like, are you putting yourself in that state where you can see it, think about it, dream about it so that on the day you can tap into that? Um, so definitely the inner chat, then having the tools and resources and the toolkit to be able to work with your mind to get the best performance that you possibly can, and then how to communicate that out to the external world. It's one thing to start to understand the internal world, but then how do we relate to others and connect in with others, whether that be colleagues, work colleagues, employees, teammates, coaches, our loved ones, how do we actually communicate outwards to them? And then, as we said, when when things are going wrong, what does that look like and how do we start to put stop gaps in there? If you're someone that comes at a bull at a gate and you're quite reactive when things don't go your way, what are the one, two, three things that you can do in that moment to slow that moment down so that that reaction doesn't necessarily go and destroy the people around you or create a negative impact or be unresourceful for you? And I think what you described really resonates in the business world that we have today because there's just so many challenges that leaders face, be it the business, be it leading the people, be it you know dealing with the several other stakeholders and other factors that make a business run efficiently and effectively. And you know, I think what you said about having to really manage that inner state of mind and being aware it's really important and and being aware does that come easily to people or you know is that something that's really critical in your point of view really critical in my point of view because even if you have good self-awareness and you've been working on it like I've been working in this space for decades and I still get these little surprises you know even in the last few weeks it's been like oh I feel like I'm just a little bit more reactive than what I normally am. I wonder what's going on. And asking those questions and getting curious about that and having those reflective practices because I it's it's in my subconscious. I'm unaware of it. I, it there's these habits that we've done for many, many years that has served us that at one point in time may stop serving us. <laughs> and yes. it's like, oh, have we taken the time to look at that and work out what we're going to do about that now we're aware of it? Yeah. And I was thinking then as you were talking to Pearl around – when you're in the workplace, you know, if we were to flip this, flip the script and say, well, what about when other people are reactive? Yeah. Do we know how to then dance in conversation, hold space so that reaction can come down a few pegs so that we can have a really healthy, resourceful conversation? And, you know, I think about we 
I spent two years studying um, emotionally focused therapy, which is just a type of therapy. There's cognitive behavior, which a lot of people might be familiar with, narrative therapy, emotionally focused therapy, lots of different ones. And in emotionally focused therapy, there's this continuum of annihilation to abandonment. So when someone's in a really highly annihilated state, they're attacking outwards. You know, if you imagine that you're shooting arrows at someone and they've got this big shield and the arrow hits the shield and propels straight back out. So there's an attack out onto the world. It's your fault. It's everyone else's fault that this thing has occurred. Now, that goes way back to our psychological safety and our vulnerability, and we can track that all the way back to our early childhood experiences. And on the other hand, you might have, instead of someone attacking outwards when you approach them and you have a conversation with them, they might do the opposite, which is more on the abandoned side of the scale where they retreat inwards. They might feel like they're emotionally crumbling or they're feeling overwhelmed or, you know, they kind of go backwards into the back of the room, they go silent, they get teary, they they feel like they can't speak, they mm-hmm. just become almost like a, they can sit in that space of that real people-pleasing space where it's like, okay, okay, because for them it's the opposite. When that arrow gets shot at them, it just goes straight to the heart. So instead of it being flicked back out and blaming the external outside world, it comes inwards and attacks inwards and they're then in a place of I'm the problem. It's my fault. So instead of it being someone else's fault, it's now my fault. Now, it's really critical for us as leaders to understand what do we do when someone's in that space? How do we best support them? How do we best stand beside them and help and coach and lead them out of that space and be present enough that we can um really sit in the mud with them so that we can help them dial down and then get back into that productivity space. Because, you know, you can have a really high-performing team, but if someone's in that big reaction, that big annihilated reaction response or that big abandoned response, which we all have, we all sit on the continuum somewhere, then usually the work's not happening <laughs> the way that we'd like to. The relationships, there, there can be some damage happening within relationships or there can be some frustrations happening. So how do we best work with that in the moment so that we can help the person in front of us and then start to get momentum and moving forwards again. Yes, and that really is a very powerful way of bringing your people along and bring to the best of their abilities. You know, that reminds me of the phrase about how you want people to thrive, not just survive. And I think mm. in survival mode, that just comes out, right? You either kind of like deflect, you absorb, you know, or you kind of react very aggressively. Understanding that and just being aware of how people act might just be the way to sustaining high performance. And I think you said it right with the example in the business space as well. I'm yet to meet a person that isn't in relationship with someone else. You know, (laughs) even if you're even if you're running your own business and you don't have a team around you or you're a solo athlete, you still have physios, you still have your partners, you still have your friends, you still like we we are human beings and connection is so pivotal to the way that we are in this world. Yet how much time do we actually give to understanding connection, connection within ourselves and connection with others and then how we bridge that connection between the two? Yeah. And I think as leaders, to even be able to connect with others, that self-connection must happen first, right? And and that's so critical. And over time, it must happen often. I don't think it just happens first. I think it must happen often. This brings me to that question as well. Like many people aspire to being that, you know, delivering high performance, achieving it, yet very few actually are able to do it. 
What do you think is the single greatest factor that separates the elite high performers from the rest? Potentially the focus and the clarity and knowing that it's a chapter within their world. So, you know, often when you're talking to, um, again, I keep coming into the um, athlete world, which is not what I thought I'd be talking about today. But uh, if you're talking to elite athletes, there is a moment of their life where they are striving to be the best in the world or the mm. best in their sport. Often you hear them talk about post that or who am I without that title or what did it cost me to be a high performer? But reality is they couldn't have gotten to that space had they not been in that chapter and driving forwards and having that focus and that clarity and that discipline at that time in their life. So I think it's really important that we understand this is a chapter and that this is what we're committing to and this is the reason why. And this is the values that sit behind it that make my decisions easier in this space. But then it's okay to stand back and view the landscape and say, okay, that is no longer where I am now and that's okay, but what are all the things now I can do to move or shift that focus into something else? So, you know, for example, I interview a lot of um, CEOs that talk about when they left that role, people didn't come up and talk to them like they used to. They didn't know what to do with their days. They found that losing that high-intensity, high-pressured, high-dynamic environment really kind of left a big gaping hole in their heart and in their soul and trying to work out what to do with that. And and that's, you know, I say to them all the time, that's okay. Like let's grieve this and let's look at what you're grateful for and what you can take from that chapter because that's what it was. It was a season in your life and now you're moving into this new season and you need a difference set, a different toolbox, different people around you. Like, you know, I think about the board of directors and who's your board, who's your well-being board. And when you move through those chapters, does that need to change? Have you got the right people at the table? There's a lot of reframing to do. Yes. I was going to say lots of reframing and, you know, you can't just work the mind. You can't just work the body. You can't just work the nervous system. And I think for so long we've been siloing these parts out, even like nutrition. We're like, let's work with you in the nutritional space or in the sleep space. But we are a human. We are one person and we're really complex and complicated. But Mm -hmm. all of those parts come into one. And sometimes you give focus to one area or you give focus to multiple areas, but you can't separate them out. Sleep doesn't operate without nutrition doesn't operate without the thought processes that happen inside your brain, that doesn't operate without the emotions that we have. So it's like how do I dive deep into that area to understand it better and to build up those areas and the platforms and the foundations and the skills and then do I look over here and build that up or do I need to have more across the board depending on on where your high performance sits? That makes a lot of sense. Ellie, thanks for joining us today in today's episode of Beyond the Summit. You've shared so much with us and, you know, with your inner journey as well. And I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of this. And for our listeners, if you're inspired by what you've learned from Ellie and would love to hear more from her, interact with her and learn from other exceptional high performance in elite sport, military, organizational psychology and business, join us at the Ultimate High Performance Leadership Summit. For details, click on the link in the show notes. Till then, thank you for listening and stay committed to your high-performance journey.
And that's a wrap, guys. So thoughts, comments, feedback, please give it all to me. Uh, this is just a taster, right? This is just a taster of some mini series to see if this is something that you love, that you want more of. We can do them in lots of different spaces. DM me, let me know. Can't wait to hear from you guys. And I will see you on Monday for our normal Challenges That Change Us episode. Thank you everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day. I believe we can learn so much from connecting with other people's experiences and stories. I hope you've gained some strategies and insight from today's episode. You can gain more by joining our Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us, or next week we will return with another episode. 